In a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend, this is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. for the last. Trust me. Let yourself feel the stack. It's hot. Beating. There's blood. what he's having um one quickening please how's that for getting to the getting vegan he doesn't listen to the show <laughs> <laughs> someday he will <laughs> greetings lookers welcome to this edition of i'll look at yours if you look at mine the podcast is one part movie discussion one part game show where we never know what we're watching next i'll be your host ben mitchell and you can find me on twitter and most social media with the handle Red and Media One. Just look at that red and icon. Welcome to Series 8. And the series theme is Adventure Films. There will be five shows, uh, this one being the third, including one audience choice. If you want to submit for the audience choice film, go to redhenmedia.com slash audience choice. Today, we will be discussing Highlander 1986, which is an action-adventure fantasy film that's currently streaming on Prime, Fubo TV, Peacock, Vudu, Fandango, Tubi, MaxGo, DirectTV, P, I don't know, it's just called P, like the letter, and Skinamax. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to this very special episode. If there could be only one, this is that one. We're here to chop it up about the movie Highlander with my immortal brothers. Speaking of which, I'm here today with my distinguished co-hosts who I suspect are dueling behind my back. So we'd better join their conversation already in progress. Hey, gang. Uh, howdy, howdy. Hello. Hey, what's happening? With us today. The provocative one, Mr. Devin Schwartz. The game is on. And there can be only one. Will it be my good friend, the incendiary, James Pepe? It's me. I'm the one. <laughs> and all I got was this t-shirt. <laughs> Never before did I get the impression from a movie about swords that it knew nothing about swords. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gonna be. A, I can't wait to talk about that too. Yeah, that shot of uh, 
of them fighting on the cliffside was something. Uh, but we'll talk. Oh, we'll get yeah. to that. Um, and with us also is the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. Hey, and I think I'm the one as well. So I'm just going to have to cut Pepe's head off. But greetings, no. gentle listeners and friends. But I like my head. <laughs> Graphic advisory warning on this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone will lose their head by the end of the episode. Who will it be? Submit your votes now. <laughs> Stick around and find out. <laughs> Okay, why don't we check the headlines? Uh, speaking of heads. Extra, extra. <laughs> nice extra, one. Extra, read all about it. Okay, let's start with Devin. What did you find in the headlines? Yeah, yeah, I had to go back into the uh, the archives to find some uh, some stuff about this movie. Uh, back in the the what's that tape that they put newspapers onto? Oh, it's called microfiche. Uh, the microfiche. microfiche. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. I had to delve into the microfiche um, down to the library. But I, but I found this. I think this was in the post. Quickening-based structural damage rapidly becoming number two cause of window shattering in NYC. <laughs> this is, of course, after the number one cause, those damn kids playing stickball. <laughs> getting pretty good at stickball. I can't afford bats on the East Coast, apparently. I don't get it. No, no. It's, it's just too far. It's not, can be only one. not in Brooklyn. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, Pepe, what did you find in the headlines? Were you were you oh, looking in New York? Man. Were you looking in the UK or Scotland? Where the where were you Dude, looking? I found you're never gonna believe this because it isn't true. <laughs> I I found a transcript of the conversation that the casting director for this movie had with the producer. Interesting. Wow, how did you yeah, uncover yeah. this? Is this straight dude, out of the I'm, vault? I'm a sleuth, dude. I'm a fucking movie news gumshoe. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Okay, are you ready for this? <laughs> All right. Eat your heart out, Produce, Batman. Pr- pr- producer. Okay, tell me about the casting. Casting director. Sure. So first, for Connor McLeod, we have Christopher Lambert. Producer. Okay. But a lot of this takes place in Scotland, right? Casting director, yes. Producer. And he can cover up his sort of strange accent with a Scottish one. Casting director, slight pause. Yes. <laughs> Producer, well, okay, who's next? For Kurgan, it will be Clancy Brown. You mean Rawhide from Buckaroo Banzai? Yes. <laughs> and, is, and is he Scottish also? It's unclear. He's sort of a timeless evil guy. Well, all right, I guess. Who's next? Well, we were able to get Sean Connery on board. Oh, good. A true Scotsman. Is he also playing a MacLeod? Uh, no. What's his character's name? Ramirez. (laughs) I didn't know that was a (laughs) Scottish name. It's not. It's Spanish. He's playing a Spaniard. A Spaniard? Well, technically an Egyptian. Oh, I see. You're fired. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Very nice. All these thoughts did cross my mind, I have to admit. You know, he's the only Scottish one. You you want to do a rewrite? No. The writers are on strike this week. We're filming. Let's go. It's greenlit. (laughs) Yeah. Script's locked. It would be be too obvious if Sean Connery played a Scotsman. That's right. That's right. It would be. Yeah. He's He's got to go under the... With a Scottish accent or something. You got to fly under the radar. Okay, uh, and Jim Scott, what have you got for us in the headlines today? 
Yeah, so uh, the headline that I found was actually more current as of 2020, of all things. Mm, So, yeah, imagine that. So, uh, Red, proposal was submitted to the Judiciary Committee regarding elections. Instead of having career politicians, this proposal was to change elections to fighting matches until there is only one. Hmm. Yay. Mm. Braun wins just the day. Just like Wakanda. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And just City every other society, like, uh, from uh, the before common era times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> We're going back. We got to go back to go forward, folks. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for that. Um, let's give this a little bit of context and do something that I like to call the rundown. You started on that rundown yet? Oh, this is just something I'm taking a break with. Oh, I will right, we'll get back to the rundown uh, right now. Okay, great. Hey, you know what? Do you have a rundown that I could take a look at just so I know what type of rundown you're looking for? Just keep it simple. Keeping it simple, that's what yeah. I'm doing. But I am working hard on this one, real hard. You're so. working hard on this? No, not not too hard, not harder than I should. Right. I mean, why work harder than you should? <laughs> no, I... You did a fine job with that rundown. And he's handed it off to co-host Jim Scott, who is going to do the rundown for us on Highlander. Yeah, so we have the movie Highlander, a 1986 treat. It was directed by Russell McCoy, and it stars uh, Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery. Uh, It has a hard R rating. Uh, And the synopsis is an immortal Scottish swordsman must confront the last of his immortal opponents, a murderously Britain who lusts for the fabled quote unquote prize. Uh, No awards, no nominations, at least none that I could pull up. Uh, But it did receive a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb a 70% on the tomato meter and a 79% audience score. And speaking of the notables, uh, the director, Russell McCulhey is known for such a gems at resident evil extinction and many, many episodes of the teen wolf series, as well as two episodes of 13 reasons why. So, yes, he is a current director as well. Uh, as far as the st- uh, stars, Christopher Lambert is known for the Highlander movies. Uh, I mean, even after this. <laughs> Highlander 2, yep. The Quickening, Highlander Endgame, etc., etc., as well. Well, as a, I believe the TV series was 1992, 1993, one of those years. It was in um, that? It originated. I believe so. No, the main star wasn't, but I think he had some roles. I've seen under oh, his he did filmography. Some okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that makes sense. And the most notable of notables, of course, is the late Sean Connery, um, yeah. known for James Bond, Hunt for Real October, Untouchables, and which he uh, his Oscar as well as a bunch that I didn't mention. 
Yes, very well known. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. He worked for like 50 years in Hollywood. Yeah, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I have some trivia. I thought I had wrote them down. So just real quick. Sorry about that. But I have easy access to them. Are you saying that it's time for rundown recreation? (laughs) Yes, actually, I am. If only if you are all ready. Oh, we're ready. I'm ready. All right. I'm ready, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the game? We're doing some trivia? So the games are a mishmash. It is trivia, yes, but there's a couple of conventions of trivia. I only have five questions, so it should be simple, right? Okay. And then how no we possibility do it? of a tie. Yes, that that's oh, well, and, maybe there is. I'm bad with math, folks. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one point each. So there there shouldn't be, but there might be, right? We we, we don't yeah, know how this. I guess go. there's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna hang my head in shame here for a second <laughs> for how the, badly the public school system has failed us all. <laughs> Sorry. So how? Okay. How we, we will do this is um, when we did answers and buzzer, I think that ended ended up being the best system instead of frantically writing it down. So that's what we'll do this yeah. time. Great. Yep. Okay. Sounds great. So, and just real quick, um, I'll read the question. If you buzz in before I get a chance to finish a question, though, you will be in violation, sir. Uh, so you will not be counted. It is only when the question is fully asked. Uh, is everybody ready? Yes, and I hope there's a trick part where you where we think you're done, and then you like add like an addendum on at the end, <laughs> so no one can answer. That'd be awesome. Ben, that's where the tie. That's where the tie comes in. Ben, Ben, you know my cunning very well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. The version is actually going to be two truths and a lie. The okay. correct answer will be the lie, and I will label them A, and then give that B, etc., and then C. There will be three. All okay. Right. So two truths and a lie. Is the lie A? The director Russell Mulcahy is also known for directing music videos. One of these vi- one of these videos was Elton John's "I'm Still Standing," or is it B? Sean Connery was the first James Bond when he starred in the movie Doctor No. Or is the lie C? Russell Mulcahy was the original director of Rambo Three, starring Sylvester Stallone. James Pepe. Well, I think it's C. Okay. You are incorrect. Oh, wow. Okay. Davin Schwartz. Yeah, like a guess. Are you, are I, you not seeing mine? I, Is mine not showing oh, no, up? No, we're not seeing yours. Okay, because no. I, I got in first there. Twice. Oh, go ahead, Shoot. Go ahead. Oh, it's working on my screen, not tr- yours, huh? I will trust you, but just raise your hand since we know that now. Um, yeah, yeah I'll, and I'll try to fix it again. Um, yeah, I think it's number two because there was a different James Bond. Um, I forget his name, though. Am I that correct? Is, that is correct. 
Yes. Really? He and wasn't you... the first James Bond? Nah, there was another one. No. It was a no. one-off and... by a different studio. And I figure you, you'd know that one because of the newest rendition of James Bond where they redid Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. But uh, moving on to question number two, and this will be an answer. Question number two. One of Christopher Lambert's roles was in a movie based on Mario Puzo's fictional depictions of Italian mob families. It was not The Godfather, but another popular title. What was of the book? Devin Schwartz. I'm gonna take a wild guess here and say Goodfellas? No, I'm sorry, no. Devin, that was wrong. That was Nicholas Pelleggi. Um, who wrote uh, Goodfellas, but also something based on a book. So good guess. Anybody oh, I else? I just do not remember this one. I don't know either, but did he? I, I want to say he wrote another book called like American Dream or something like that. I, I'm not sure about that, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go ahead and give the answer here. Um, the answer is uh, the Sicilian. Oh, the Sicilian. Okay. Yeah. Sounds related. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so, so we'll go on to a trivia about the movie. Uh, make it a little easier for you guys. So. <laughs> yeah, dumb it down for us. <laughs> <laughs> so question number three. When we are first introduced to McLeod, Christopher Lambert's character. <clears throat> he was challenged to a sword fight in the parking lot of this famous New York City place. What is the name of this place? Oh no, I did it too early. Pepe! <laughs> no! It was that place. He fell for Pepe. it. Yeah, he did. Devin yeah, Schwartz. I, I jammed it in time. I waited like a patient boy. Uh, that was Madison Square Garden. Boom, boom. All right, Devin, you are one. Um, uh, um, and you are, you are, you are one, my friend, Ben. Okay. All right. Question number four. What was the one place that the immortals respected and could not shed blood in? He raised ben. his hand before the question was done. Yeah, you're right. I did. I'm trying to work out the loss. I rang the thing. <laughs> if you look back, I rang the thing after the question. But yeah, the system is the system is flawed. <laughs> You're saying we don't have an airtight. No, I'm going to I'll, I'll go with I rang in too early. That was my bad. All right. Anyone else? I seen Pepe just before Devin. So Pepe. I believe it was Holy ground. Right. Oh, yay. Also known as the church. That would have been acceptable. I would have accepted that too, just because they showed a couple of scenes. Awesome. Last question. And it seems to be the tiebreaker. Oh, the tiebreaker. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, so here we go. Well, all for all Sean buzzer, Yeah. Sean Connery's name is Juan. Sanchez Villa Robles Ramirez. When he is asked of his heritage, 
What country does he say he is from? Devin. I rang the thing instead of raising my hand. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, he does say Egypt. I spoiled oh. this one. Yeah, yeah. Did you, you get did. points for that. You did, you did, and I wasn't gonna say anything. <laughs> you know, because you so why not, right? Good job, Devin. Yeah. Good you, job, guys. You won also our good quiz. job. Also good I won technicality. I get an asterisk next to this win because Ben probably would have won if he could buzz in properly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I gotta get that fixed. I don't know what's going on with that, um, but that's okay. This was the thing it needed to work for, so I'll just fix it for next week. I'm punting on this one. <laughs> That was pretty exciting, and I just found out. I don't know how good of a game host I'm in, I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was good. Um, yeah, I just the, the the technical crew failed us on this one. Uh, my intern Lenny is going to be replaced. Oh man, <laughs> Lenny! Uh, cool. Uh, any more of the regularly scheduled rundown to wrap up, or? Yeah, so just real quick, just uh, there wasn't much trivia on here or significant, um, but there was one piece which I will say all of Sean Connery's scenes had to be filmed in a week due to Connery's schedule. That makes he had sense. a bet with he had a bet with director Russell Mulcahy that they would not finish in seven days, but Mulcahy won the bet. Connery earned one million for his week's work. Yeah, uh -huh. you know how Bruce Willis uh, is bowing out of acting due to his uh, aphasia condition. Apparently, he I read an article. Apparently, he'd been working um, the last year just doing whatever. If if someone would pay him, he'd show up and work. But he'd only show up, you know, because of his condition. He'd only show up like eight hour for the eight hours a day for two days, and then he would pull in about two million dollars. Um, and the movies are awful, but you know, he clearly what his plan was, was to make some money before he retired. Right. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you can't hold it against yeah. him, but, um, yeah, that if you got a name like that, you can make bank in very little time. Just they, they have, cause your name is worth money. They actually have it worked out. I don't know what the website is, but you can see mm -hmm. the actor's return. If you have that actor in your project, they literally have a ratio to, to return from what you pay them to what they will make you for the movie just by being in it mm, based wow. on like past movies. So it shifts mm -hmm. up and down as yeah. they, you know, either make more yeah. or lose more. That was something I had mentioned uh, when we did uh, Dr. Strange love, right? Even Kubrick had joked about it, right? Because he like Peter Sellers salary was like 55% of the budget. Right. And Kubrick said, I got three for the price of six. Yeah. But Sellers was like carrying that film, right? Yes, yeah. in a way, but still half the budget. I mean, yeah, no, it's a lot. Yeah, it's just that star power is incredible. Um, with him, I'd say it's it's worth it. Peter Sellers is uh, one yeah. incredible, one incredible performer. But it also had George C. Scott in it. Like, what was he getting? Peanuts? Mm. He could. He must have gotten something pretty good. But yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to put it in context because I only know George C. Scott after he was really, really big and did a bunch of films. So I don't know how big he was back then or not. I think that was after Patton. Was it after Patton? I is that why so. they got him? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't the, uh, as much as I would like it to be, it's not the. Check it out. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you for that lovely rundown. Before we go on to our discussion, why don't we figure out who done it?
we have reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. The winner with the most correct guesses at the end of this series will win a Who Dundee Award. Uh, no slapping. Um, so, what, too soon? Too soon? Yeah, we're all a little traumatized <laughs> still by that. Um, uh, so, I, the, it's between Jim and I and the audience choice movie. Mm. Um, so, but between all of that, I'm going to guess Jim because this is just the, the era, the prime Jim era. Um, and I think it just feels like a Jim flick, even though we all like fantasy and adventure. Um, so, you know, I could always be putting the guilt away from myself. What do you think, Devin? Who done it? I think that is a likely, uh, a likely choice. I, I kind of am torn between all three of our options here. I think it could really be anybody. Um, I yeah. also, my first instinct was Jim, but I think just to mix things up, I'm going to go with you, Ben. I think this might be yours. Might be. Pepe, what do you think? Who done it? Well, I think this is probably Jim too. Um, but since I have no score yet this season, I'm going to say audience pick <laughs> since no one else has picked that. <laughs> All right. The first um, audience if, choice pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If this is Jim, though, this will have been the second season, I think, where all of us, so far at least, have done the rundown on the movie we've submitted. Oh, that'll be that interesting. All that would be season, interesting. And it happened with me and Devin so far. So Weird. We're in that universe, yeah. huh? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jim, is save us from this universe. Bears or the Berenstain Bears universe? That's right. That's right. Which universe are we in this week? Save us yeah. from the Twilight Zone, Jim. Who do you think done it? Well, well, I know that you like movies too during this era, Ben. I but do. this one with the choppy action, just the way it's choppy and the way it's put together. I feel sensibilities will be would be too ruined by this. So I don't think it was you. I know it wasn't me. So I think this is actually audience choice. Fuck, this is audience movie. choice. I'm not going to get a point. Fuck. So let's see. That's two for audience choice. One for me and one for Jim. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to have to check the list. I'm going to the list. Whoa, we're going to the tape. We're going to the tape, folks. The first time this and has ever happened. This is a momentous occasion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is a momentous occasion. How, how'd we do? No. It is not. Uh, uh, I knew it. Choice. I knew it was Jim. I knew uh, it was fucking Jim. Uh, or was it me? Yeah. No, there's no fucking way this movie was... No, it, oh, <laughs> it, it was me. Yes, right. I submitted this movie. That is correct. It was Jim. <laughs> so I get a point. Jim. <laughs> oh, I should have just guessed Jim. What a fool I was. The instincts, I, I feel like the instincts really do win the day on this thing a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Your first instinct, I should say. Well, they... 
Well, they say, you know, that's why on a test, be very careful, especially with multiple choice, you know, Scantron type tests to erase that first answer. Because more often than not, it is correct. Yeah, yeah. I remember teachers like mm -hmm. advising that as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. And here we have more evidence to that end. Well, um, Jim, you selected Highlander. Now that we know who done it, it's time to find out why done it. You got some yeah. explaining to do. You got some explaining to do. Um, this is a movie that I have watched many times. Um, I remember, you know, when the series came out and I watched a couple of episodes of the Highlander series. Um, spoiler, the later, like, you know, the second one and so on and so forth, they don't get any, to my memory at least, it's been... <laughs> yeah. I yeah, don't even remember the other day. ones. And I didn't watch the TV show. It just was kind of 90s cheese. I don't know. Yeah. If if you're really into it, I guess it was that could have been you had it had to be your cheese in the ninety, you know, in the nineties. Yes. For me it was Star Trek, you know, that that was that era's thing that I was into. Um right. so yeah, I don't remember any of them except of course this one I do. We we actually studied this in film school a little bit. I'll talk about that later. Oh wow. Please continue. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I can I see what you're saying about nineties cheese, uh like Xena. The Warrior Princess, like that type of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like cheese. everyone had their brand, you know, and just Highlander wasn't my brand back in the '90s for 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 that you, kind of uh, production. Yeah, and the movie um, was right, right. Yeah, the first movie, and it was exciting to me, but I I wouldn't like hang my hat like, oh, this is high standard or anything. This was actually my my best friend's favorite movie in high school. And so this was kind of a tribute to him because nice. we were doing the, the adventure film genre. Um, he would talk about there can only be one quite often. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this movie did have a following. I mean, it wasn't just him. A lot of people were talking about this movie, but I, and I know we'll get this in the discussion, I hadn't seen it in I don't know how long. Me so too. it was also kind of a a blast to the past to see how it holds up to today, right? So I, that's one of my favorite parts of doing this is like seeing stuff again, you mm -hmm. know, with fresh eyes if I haven't seen it in a while, like this one and 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 see how it held up. So how do you yeah. how did you think it held up? Well, first of all, who's seen it? I've seen it. I had not seen it. Oh, interesting. Nice. I, okay. I'm ashamed to say that this was my Whoa. first time seeing this. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> that, well, that's, yeah. that's, that's new on this show that we have a two people that haven't seen it. That's okay. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So how did it hold up for you, Jim? We'll start with you since it's your pick and then we'll see what the, the um, noobs to the game, uh, the Highlander game uh, thought. Sure. I have to be honest. I mean, I like the concept. I like a, the, a few of the philosophical moments when they talk about immortality and, um, you know, you can't have love interests and that kind of thing because you all grow kind of like what is done with fantasy as far as, you know, like elves, you, you know, in the fantasy games that we play, you know, having a human love or something like that. So I, I like those moments and it's, it's a cool 
action would like down it and say, oh, it's terrible, but I don't think it's great. Um, and I, after having watched it, I was like, oh, this, this movie didn't hold up very well. Hmm. So Interesting. Devin, what did you think of your first watch of Highlander? Um, I, this was a very weird movie. Uh, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of really just odd stuff in it. Um, I think that like the, the scene, the one that sticks out to most to me, the most to me is when Kruger is assembling his sword. Like it's a rifle. Maybe the stupidest scene I've ever seen in a movie. Like, it was the, mo- <laughs> the like, travel the sword. Worst. Like it was so stupid. Sword in a case. Oh, I, like, yeah. was, I was bad. rolling it's my so eyes so hard 80s. it hurt. <laughs> Is is what yeah. how I would describe yeah, that. This, this movie yeah. is this movie is eighties to its core. Yeah, this is eighties filmmaking. Um, it, we're right in the center of it. Nineteen eighty six, so eighty five is probably when it was filmed. Yeah, yeah. You if I had some nostalgia, some if I was alive during that era and had any nostalgia for it, I might have found more to enjoy about this. But as it stands, basically the only part I liked is the parts with Sean Connery. Like that that sequence was great. But like everything else, I just didn't really enjoy. And it felt like two different movies, which is maybe like a obvious thing to say, since it basically is two different movies, uh, the, the modern and, and like classic Scotland stuff. But it didn't feel like those two parts were cohesive in any way. It really felt like just two movies playing side by side. Um, mm-hmm. You don't like the Highlander? <laughs> I'm going to have to buy you a drink. <laughs> I also think it's very ironic that there can be only one, and they made like nine of these movies. So, yeah, yeah so I know that's yes. this, there can be only one of these five. Movies. This is like mm-hmm. one of those. To me, it held up pretty well. I don't know. How, we'll we'll see how rose tinted my goggles are, um, but my Highlander goggles. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's weird. Um, well, let's just ask Pepe what what he thought before I get into that. Uh, I, I'm about the same, I guess. I think it has some, um, yeah, if you're looking for, like, an 80s, like, B-plus, like, action movie, then this, you know, this is a good one, you know? Um, there's some dumb, there's some fucking dumb stuff in it, <laughs> but there's some, <laughs> there's some fun stuff in it, too, and some silly stuff, um. And yeah, so, you know, you'll have a good time watching it. But again, this like you like it's already I broke my own rule and watched this movie today instead of yesterday. Mm. And already mm-hmm. this movie is just sliding off my brain like a fried egg, just sliding <laughs> off. Grasping. I, I have like, to go to the clips. I got plenty of clips. It's hard so. for me. Like if you want if you asked me to give you like a pretty. Like like detailed description of like the chronology of this movie and the, like the, the way it unfolded. I'm not sure I could do that. No, because it's really complex actually. Um, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't think that the two stories were cohesive Devin, because in film school, that's what we were looking at was the way that the filmmaker transitioned uh, rather seamlessly from, and you might've missed it because it, I didn't see it until they pointed it out to me. Um when they're in the, they go from the first fight in the parking garage, they do the, um, the camera like lifts up and it like does this seamless transition to the past to like a, some kind of like brick wall or something in the past. And the, the idea was of the lesson is to, if you start thinking about the film as not just 
the first thing to think about is like doing these like you know short films that string together and then on top of that um if you want to like get to that next layer of like brain explosion meme you you want to like plan those transitions you know plan really cool transitions between the two and so this movie did that in spades it does it several times and and did a good job um movies it reminded me of terminator uh there's Mm -hmm. a lot it was just so like there's so many things like that um what were some of the other ones? Um, oh, well, I guess Christopher Lambert was in Mortal Kombat. That was the thing I knew him from other than this, by the way. Did you guys remember him as Raiden from Mortal Kombat? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Oh, The Man from Earth. Has anyone uh, seen that gem? It was like a mm-hmm. 2000s indie film about a guy who just doesn't die and has to... Uh, he has to like ex- he has to basically prove that he's been around since like caveman time. Uh, I think you'd probably like it, Pepe. It's it's one of those oh, interesting yeah. like brain. Silly. Yeah, no, it's actually they do they handle it pretty well. Um, but that's not this okay. movie. Um, yeah, but basically those those transitions back and forth are are like a sign that the director knows like has that stuff in mind. Um. And the story mechanic of cutting between like the present and past, I thought worked pretty cleverly in that, like they kind of tease what the reality is kind of like the matrix, you know, where they know they have this kind of secret, you know, that they tease you and it's called salting the audience as you guys know. Um, But the way they do it, it's really like kind of drip, drip, drip. Like you cut from one thing, you get a little bit of exposition they make exposition like something you actually want. You're like, start craving it, which I think is actually a pretty good trick. That's hard to do. Um, so they give you a little bit of a, a of story. Then they cut back to the present, give you a little action and move that story along. And then you mm-hmm. get a little bit more of the reveal of what happened in the past. And then a little bit more, but I will say this. I agree that the stuff that happened in the past seemed to work better than the stuff that, that, happened in the present like i was more excited to watch the when they cut back to the past than i was to watch the present story well one thing just because you had mentioned the opening of the movie one thing that kind of blew my mind was the one of the like very first opening shots when they have that camera they have a camera that does like a 360 Mm -hmm. yeah maybe even more than once around the wrestling ring oh yeah there's a thing about that and then go up into the into one of the um what do you call them balconies balcony mm-hmm. seats mm-hmm. and zoom in on him and when i first watched it i was like oh this is a cool drone shot and then i was like oh wait oh no how the no fuck did they do that is there's like an yeah is there like a is there like a helicopter in this no place or something? So what the exact did... same spot i said they, i was thinking are they flying a helicopter inside this stadium <laughs> so what they did was the guy that in the same guy that invented this rig invented the steadicam and what he did for this movie was he the camera on like four different like ropes and pulleys and did this like rig just for this film to pull that shot off. And it was quite an, a revolutionary shot for the time. It was really cool. Yeah. Had, yeah. 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 I mean, we yeah, there's of lots of cool stuff like that. Now, but man, totally. It's cool. a little uneven, but there's like, there's enough good in there. Um, and what else held up really well for me was the, t- they, they had the effects that they had at the time and they had the makeup they had at the time, okay? And there's limitations therein. But the stuff they, the way they picked and choose how they did stuff was tasteful 
compared to like how some of the other stuff from the 80s has aged. For example, that running sequence that I played in the beginning, um, they did that. They could have like undercranked the camera and like made them like run faster, which was really popular at the time. But we all know now that when we like see that, it just looks awful. It sticks out like a sore thumb and it's just bad. So I think they, they were pretty tasteful. And the, the uh, 2D hand-drawn animation at the end was really cool, I thought. Did you guys like that or was it just like, is that my nostalgia glasses kicking in? I mean, I thought it looked cool, but I had no idea what it was like supposed to be or represent, you know? And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, this is cool, but like, what is it, you know? quickening apparently yeah yeah they under explain yeah. that yeah. stuff in this film which maybe may have left the door open to those the ton of sequels going in all kinds of different directions i even heard one time that they're supposed to be like aliens i was like that's dumb that's not my head canon <laughs> right um yeah. there's another speaking of just shots i i will say that as someone who rarely notices in older films those like revolutionary techniques um, it did strike me as as like shocking that that shot where they fly around Madison Square Gardens. Um, but then on the, the flip side of that is there's a crane shot, like a very obvious crane shot later on when uh, McLeod dies for the first time mm-hmm. on the battlefield in Scotland. Yeah. And it does like a crane shot up away from his body. And the camera gets significantly worse in that scene for some reason. It literally looks like they're I was using like mention some that, kind of Devin. That's Dollar Tree camera. That. Yeah, it's it's like a shocking like, whoa, what just happened to the quality? All right, let's talk about that. It's very strange. So what's which going on there? <laughs> it's when, when he first dies for the first time in Scotland. But there's like a big battle they're and he gets stabbed in by Scotland crew. All the time and, and, and somewhere yeah. in the UK and or Scotland is where they filmed that. And what was going on there is that the... So the way film works is the amount of like analog film, the amount of silver in the film makes the film uh, process pick up the light, make it more or less light sensitive, depending on how much silver. Um, And if there's lower light, you need more silver. And so on these cameras, the film is is fast as faster film with a ton of silver. So it makes it grainy as fuck. And it just looks terrible. Um, The reason they had to switch is because all of a sudden that terrible UK Scottish weather, the clouds rolled in, they lost light they're, and, and they're out there. They don't have a bunch of, uh, they probably had some generators or something, but you're not just going to be able to light a battlefield out, out in the middle of nowhere. So they had to go to faster film to make their day, make their shoot day. And then it looks grainy. And so a lot of their shots mm. looked grainy, especially in the UK shots and they don't look good. It's funny if they if they remastered it though they could clean that up in, in no time. We can digitally clean up grain now and make it look great with the AI. Um, yeah, that's how that works. That's why it looks like crap. But they had a nice camera. It's just they probably had to use some of the fastest film they had at the time, which was like twelve hundred. And usually they'd want to film with something more like I don't know four hundred. Uh, so it's it's probably three times the amount of grain that you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. It's jarring. Um, Queen. Do you, do you guys recognize the Queen music at all? Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. That so was what, another, yeah, another definite upside. Upside. Yeah, exactly. So if Queen does your soundtrack, it doesn't matter if your movie is good or not. Just the fact that Queen did the music, it is immortalized. So this movie yeah, is, it was is cool. immortal. Yeah, apparently they were really, they really liked it. And they each, each band member chose a scene and then wrote the song for that scene that they, that was like their favorite scene. 
my, my question was going to be, did they write, do you want to live forever for this movie? Which it seems like that, they that did. is the case. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to get good queen music. Yeah. You get queen or David Bowie in your movie and you're going to get some free music out of that. Or, you know, I don't know if it was free with queen or whatever, but you get the songwriting that comes along with it. I don't know how they met. Maybe yeah. they were filming there and, 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 or something. I don't know how that came to pass, but they started they're writing that music in post after they saw a cut of the film. I know that much. Well, it, was it might be. I said they're Scottish, like uh, the rest <laughs> of this cast. Yeah, everyone's Scottish. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, if I had to hazard a guess, the director had done a, a ton of music videos. So maybe oh, it was right. in that way. Yeah. yeah and I figured some of his. in the music. Some world. of his. Yeah, and some of his taste towards the movie kind of i mean there was a couple of scenes where it seemed kind of music you know like a music video ish especially from the 80s yeah yeah that that manic cutting that we're kind of more used Mm -hmm. to now was new at the time new and novel i would say that was really big it really changed filmmaking and in the kind of more like late 80s more so and the 90s um and then i used to time i used to sit there and watch stuff and time cuts from newer stuff and you were lucky to get uh, a shot that lasted three seconds in the 90s it was just cut 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 all the way you know anytime they anytime it just from the music video i mean that's just that translated that way mm-hmm. um so i think we found more right. of like a balance with it now but at the time it was very novel and very popular um pepe you mentioned that kurgan was played by clancy brown what did you say people know him from because I know him from the Shawshank Redemption as the oh uh, yeah yeah I think people, most people know him from Shawshank but he he was also in a movie called uh, let me see if I can remember the whole title The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai in the Eighth Dimension or something. of course <laughs> yeah yep, yeah right. interesting yeah no it made sense because I saw an interview when we were researching when I was researching for Shawshank when we were doing that one I watched a video of him talking about trying out for it and he felt like he was out of his league and out of his place and that someone's going to find him out you know and kick him out and realize they got the wrong guy there you know he was like super nervous about it and now i kind of see why because the the, he was doing very different types of movies before shawshank he was doing buckaroo bonsai and this this is very different type of movie right i mean that was a serious one he he fucking steals the show in this movie dude he did great yeah, it's like maybe like it goes Sean Connery, him, then basically everybody else. Yeah, I, 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 I'm also, on that. Cool kids will know him as the voice of Mr. Krabs, of course. Oh, is oh he's Mr. Krabs in almost every appearance. He does the video games, he does the miniseries, he does the main show, he does everything. He is the Dude, get that Mr. Mr. Krabs, Krabs Krab. money. He does yeah. a lot of voice work. Um, he's very active in modern day he's done like he did like a hundred things in 2020 he has a huge mm. uh list of he credits. seems like a gentle giant type in his interviews he comes off as very <laughs> yeah um very very nice very sweet just cut like uh the guy that played i think his name's tom something that played biff in back to the future he just seems like the mm-hmm. nicest oh, yeah. guy if you've ever seen any of his yeah. videos uh he's he's uh very excited about everything <laughs> that he talks about um i couldn't um i couldn't believe the makeup they put on him though and just put him on screen god damn that shit looked terrible <laughs> uh but yeah you, you mean like when he was in the church scene 
Well, like or any no, scene. I mean, like that's the scar he had on his neck, and uh-huh. then like the thing on his eye, and then eventually that bald cap that was terrible. Yeah, that's what I meant. In the church, you you saw like the full transition makeup. Yeah. They, they plan that stuff in stages, and yeah, they might have done a better job with that, or I don't know. Yeah, I feel like they could have done was, better. This is '86. That, that's there's no excuse for that, right? Yeah, I mean, I I was kind of wondering whether it was just because and i don't even know if this is true or not but like if i was i was wondering if it was because the version that i was watching was a high def version and it would look better on shittier on a mm-hmm. shittier version you know uh, but man it looked terrible no i mean okay so like if you were watching it projected on a giant screen in 35 millimeter even back then you're going to get more resolution than a high def thing um oh yeah it's just how okay. it works yeah well, that's just right. how it works yeah. sometimes 30, like uh, 30 35 millimeter translates to uh, i know it's above eight thousand lines of digital if you're like I, I don't know the exact numbers but i know it's more that's why you can still get like 4k rips of movies and stuff that were shot back in the day even seinfeld was shot on okay. 16 millimeter film and 16 millimeters higher definition than h than any of our hd or 4k Oh, hmm. yeah, because I know that that was one of the man, there was one movie in particular, but I, I guess just sometimes like you shit. see it with like, <laughs> well, <laughs> sometimes you see this and maybe it's like, like there was one movie where I know that that it was there was a specific example, but I can't think about it now. But like once you get these movies restored and made digital, Mm-hmm. you just Remastered. like you see things that were just like never meant to be seen you know you can see the like tape that they put on the wall so and like if it's not hd you're not going to see it yeah it sounds okay like that, okay you know I, I think what you're getting at is that when they remaster things they're doing things to it that they couldn't do back in the day like the it's more about like the process like they're doing a better job color correcting and punching it up and you know, like removing the grain. So yeah, they will they will be able to you will be able to see more stuff. I remember the famous one recently was the Star Trek The Next Generation. Like you can see all this crap that they left on the set that you just couldn't see on the TV, but you could oh, yeah, like yeah, see yeah. it totally in like the 4K versions. Yeah. Yeah. You can just like see the seams of sets better and like just mm-hmm. like where they stuck tape on shit and stuff. Yeah. It's like a better development, is what think about it like that. They're just they have better okay. development tools. So it's like not it's it feels like it's a resolution thing. And in a way, I guess it is because they're just developing it better. Yeah. So anyway, I was thinking to myself, I was sort of I was hoping that I could chalk it up to that. But maybe, maybe not. <laughs> well, you kind of can. I think you can. But Sean Connery looks suave as fuck, though, in his uh, yeah. pumpernickel. They popped 85 on him on the horseback <laughs> of that hero shot. That was great stuff. Jeez. Do I have that clip? I might have that clip. Yeah, I thought when, when he when he showed up, I was like, oh, finally, a fucking Scotsman. And then I saw what he was wearing. <laughs> I and know, like, no, right? Not that he Scotsman. wasn't playing a Scotsman. <laughs> no. I love it. Then he, said, and then he said his name, and I was like, you're a Spaniard? And then he was like, but also, I'm an Egyptian. And I was just like, fuck you, movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was pretty funny. All right, here's that, here's that scene we're talking about, I think. I think this is right. Greetings. I am Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, chief metallurgist to King Charles V of Spain, and I'm at your service. 
Cloud, wounded in battle, and driven from your village of Glenfinnan five years ago. Oh, Connor! go in the house. I'll stay right here. It was a sane woman. your feeling is the quickening. Who are you? We are the same, McLeod. We are brothers! They smartly never explain how. <laughs> you know, we got to resurrect that, that phrase, I'm at your service. I love that phrase. Just rings nice. I'm at your service. <laughs> I'm using that in the yeah. game next week. I'm going to watch for me. I'm going <laughs> to fit that in. DMing uh, for accents, a couple of weeks. The, the accents in that scene are fucking buck wild, dude. Oh, yeah, they're all over the place. Christopher Lambert's Jesus. accents all over the uh, place throughout this whole thing. They, they kind of made a joke about it. Someone well, was like, What's I mean, your, where are you from? What's your accent? He's like, I don't know, a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, he, he having a weird, like, non-Scottish sounding accent in the future makes sense, right? Yes, because yes, we yes, see yes. him like, Okay, he was born in Scotland. Then he was in World War II for a little while. Might have been a germ. Might have been like uh, an American or like some other stripe of European. And then now he's like in New York, right? And so, yeah, like he's going to sound weird. But like Sean Connery says that whole name doesn't doesn't try one bit to sound like a Spaniard, <laughs> which he shouldn't because he's not, but also doesn't sound like an Egyptian. Because who the fuck knows how an Egyptian would no, sound? No, Sean Connery always will sound like Sean Connery. Please don't try yeah. to make him uh, do an accent if you're a time traveling director. Yeah, and then, also, uh, and sorry, and then like Christopher Lambert remembers to like roll one R in that whole like speech. It's like Scottish, you know. It's like yeah, acting. he remembers sometimes. Yeah, and the, but that woman, the the his wife sounds great. She sounds Scottish as well. Yeah. I, yeah. I assume Christopher Lambert has an interesting way of speech. And I don't know if it's an accent or if he's just speaks in a unique manner. Um, do, do any of you know what his deal is? Is he French? Like, what is the deal? No, he was, he was born in America. And then when he was very young, moved to Switzerland. So he okay. has like an Eastern European accent. Yeah. It's so he, hard to, me, to like pin like down. Yeah, yeah, he sounds like the guy, the like the guy from um, Die Hard, the like Eastern European guy mm. from Die Hard. What he sounds yeah. like to me. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. When they uh, when they inevitably remake this movie, I feel like uh, uh, Nick Nick Cage should be the title role just for those those like quickening <laughs> moans. They're so Nick Cage. It <laughs> yeah. totally sounds like a Nick Cage moan. <laughs> His weird vocal <laughs> noises. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of weird sounds like that that were like intended to be serious, but I got a chuckle out of. But uh, yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. judging it, judging it like I was on board for the, like the eighties ness, you know, through and through. You know, 
it wasn't uh but for, for me you know that's driven a lot by nostalgia you know i did i did used to watch this movie back in the day i remember watching it on my we were like have a sleepover and watch something like this and probably this several times on my friend my friends were the ones that had the big projection big screen <laughs> tv back when big screen tvs oh, yeah. were like those massive giant ridiculous things that like they still had the same resolution as the little ones you know they didn't look all that great they were just bigger shitty resolution screens but it was a thousand pounds yeah fill up your bowl with sugar cereal and watch the highlander <laughs> head chopping yeah, time I, I i i have to imagine that there was some conversation between the actors and the director and they had to have been like so when i kill one of the other highlanders does it feel good? Does it feel bad? What is the feeling? And they were just we know like, it's intense. Know. Yeah. Just some sort of some some feeling. You know. <laughs> some moany feeling. It's an intense feeling. Yeah. Some moany feeling. Yeah, some feeling that makes you moan. <laughs> yeah. It's orgasmic. I mean, we'll just we'll <laughs> say it's orgasmic. I fucking expected like the Hellraisers to show up and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, let's we're, talk we're about for this. Let's talk about structure real quick because, uh, you know, I like structure. Um, and this will be about more like kind of like action adventure stuff. Uh, the, that moment when the student uh, challenges the teacher or the master and reaches a moment where they acknowledge the superior technique of the master. That's an important moment that happens in, in films like this. You know, oh, who are you? You know, I'll get, you know and then I think Kill Bill had a great moment. Uh, instead of uh, rambling on about, uh, you know, some made-up dialogue. Uh, do, do you guys remember Kill Bill at all? Have you guys seen that one? Mm-hmm. And I it's have. a throwback to yeah. 70. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of 70s kung fu stuff. I've seen a couple of them. Um, there's a, there's a big fan base for that. Um, but the, for me, Kill Bill is the first time I saw it. And the, she goes and faces that very like generic kung fu teacher and uh, she's going to fight him with a sword. And he literally like leaps off the ground and lands on the tip of her sword. Uh, and she's like, okay, this guy's, this guy's the master. Um, but yeah, this <laughs> right. movie had that moment as well where, where he just kind of easily defeats him. And then you get to see his progress through what everyone knows to be the training montage, which has become very cliche mm-hmm. after the eighties. And this was a very eighties uh, training montage, but back then it wasn't so well known. People were very, it was another one of those things that was like very novel. People were in it. I think Rocky probably popularized it if I was going to wager a guess. Um, and then now everything had to, yeah, everything had to have a training montage after Rocky. It's a great thing, you know, but now it's cliche. So you got to be careful about that. It's an important moment too. Yeah. I think that, um, a lot of that stuff would have been, maybe cooler if the choreography was better. That was another thing. The choreography yes, in this movie right. was really clunky, especially depending on the actors involved. Yep. Um, ironically, I think Kruger's was some of the worst, which is like, he should be the best because he's like the best fighter, presumably in the movie. Yeah. But the, the scene where they're like fighting in the like pipes in the very <laughs> near the beginning, like the first time they fight in the modern day is like, it's the, maybe the slowest. Like there's always moments in fight scenes, especially when there's like a really dangerous moment where you can kind of see the choreography sometimes in certain Mm -hmm. movies like you're like you can see the actor like preparing for like a big hit that he's gonna dodge and this was like every single hit felt like that for me it's like everything felt like the actors knew exactly what was gonna happen next and like 
there was no immersion at all. Yeah, and that's kind of sad that it's an action film and then the action set pieces are kind of the low point. Um, I like yeah, where well, they move the story I, along, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it was no Princess Bride. The, the, the sword fights in this movie, for me, I found them to be so strange because they were very, like, these guys spent, like, a weekend learning how to sword fight, you know? Like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 but, if you want a, if you want a good example of that, go watch my uh, fan film Hive of the Sith because we literally did that for a weekend. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you bring that up because I was going to say that I liked them better than like all of the new Star Wars like lightsaber fight scenes. The new ones that are tip tap dancey, or the prequel ones that were kind of like that, or the new new ones. Well, basic like all of the newer ones. Any like, of the they, ones they, past they the original. somehow for. Yeah, but like mm-hmm. if you if you go back and watch the original Star Wars, like those lightsaber fights are like not these like intense martial arts battles, right? Well, I mean, Empire had a really or, uh, great I, duel, but they, none yeah, of them but were they're, like they're simple. None of them, none of those guys were sword masters, though, right? And they didn't make them train for you like they do now either. Well, especially any fight with Darth Vader. Character? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to I didn't mean in, to get you off track there, Pepe, either. Well, I just like in character, those guys are supposed to be master, in character they are supposed to be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, but they're just, you know, like the actors themselves. It would just it would just be yeah. unheard of at the time to have them train like they do now with things where they just the training is like, you're gonna be training for 18 months with the swordmaster. So that you can, or, right. okay, here's the example, Black Swan, we watched on this show, right? She trained intensely for a year to be able to pull off some of the dance moves, right? But back in the day, right. they're yeah. just like, yeah, you got your two weeks prep. So it's going to be a little clunkier. Um, but yeah, I don't know, was that there, your point was, or were you going somewhere else with that? No, no, the, it was, it just, it struck me as odd that these, mm-hmm. these sword fights, as clunky as they were, were in some way, to me, more appealing than like the pre certainly the prequels like lightsaber fights they yeah, just they I look agree. so dumb because they don't look um, real you don't buy yeah, it they like, don't this was real. at least filmed and placed you know yeah and they're too yeah, yeah. they're over they're overdone they're tip tappy and they look like a dance more than anything yeah you know it looks like the, the uh um the lightsaber spectacular down at the cow palace that you go to the disney yeah, lightsaber right. spectacular on ice is that He'll a sing thing? a song? You know, it'll be like a musical. Luke, Man. be a Jedi yeah. tonight. Right. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Simpsons, for pulling me out of that one. So, so anyway, all that is to say is that I agree that they they were not good, but man, were they better than like some of the things that we are getting now nowadays i'm i'm in agreement with you what do you guys think because i'm curious if you if you agree or disagree uh i don't know i felt like they were pretty bad like I, i'll take something that's or over choreographed to under choreographed mm-hmm. any day and these mm-hmm. felt very under choreographed and like uh yeah like they were just being told literally from like a guy behind the camera like okay now you turn to your right okay and now you turn to your left and swing good and like that's what it felt like to me. 
And uh, in terms of the the like original Star Wars fights, I think a, a, a lot of those are pretty bad in my opinion too, especially with Darth Vader because he he essentially the actor in the actual suit can't move like at all. And so all the fights with Darth are, it's like you're fighting one of those rotating dummies that has like a sword like on a stick and it's just like rotates when you hit it. He, he can basically only move his hips and and maybe his elbows a little bit and he's just like, it's like uh, he's supposed to be this impossible to fight master and it's, I don't know, it's like laughably bad to me. But that's just my modern opinion. of. Did, did you see movies. the, um, that someone went in and the clunkiest, everyone knows that the worst fight, the worst lightsaber fight in Star Wars is between Obi-Wan, old Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader in episode four. But did you guys yeah. see the um, the guy that went in and like redid that fight with uh, like modern effects and stuff? It's worth, mm-hmm. it's worth taking yeah. a look at because it's, then you get to see like, <clears throat> with the appropriate effects and they still the balanced it with like how that fight worked it what you might do like what kind of like it rose to the level of power you'd expect from this character right well i i guess i would i think i would say that like in principle well okay if you're judging that scene on like sword play then yes but if you're judging that scene on like importance and intensity and just like relevance to the story then it's one of the best lightsaber fights right because it's yeah i'm talking strictly choreography and like how it looked and they were still figuring out how like even how to like rotoscope the sabers to look right and like they shot obi-wan's angle really bad like you don't ever point the lightsaber towards the camera because then it'll just look like there's nothing there and so they like made little mistakes like that but yeah story-wise i agree with you it was one of the but most significant. That's, that's the, I think I've talked, I've mentioned this a, a couple of times is like, um, like good move. Like it doesn't be like having your movie be good hides a lot of crimes. And so like, it's only because people are watching that for the 600,000th time that they're like, this sword fight isn't very good because it's only after you watch something like a thousand times, that's that good. Are you looking at anything else other than the, like, other than being in, emotionally involved in the scene where you you don't really care that it looks like it might look shitty, right? But when you have in those other movies where you have fucking like Yoda flipping around like Sonic the Hedgehog and like bouncing off walls and shit, it looks ridiculous. Yeah. You know, because I agree. Because there's no, there's no like tension in the scene. So you're only looking at this like. I think that the prequels something that's were supposed the... to be spectacular, but it's just stupid looking. The prequels were the worst looking of the star Wars films, just looking because the, the digital tools yeah. at the time were just so new that they just were bound to age poorly. You know, you're going for something that's literally real. Like you're shooting models. You're going to have a, a certain level of realism that carries forward and still lives up. Cause I mean, it's real, you know, and, and that's just, that's one of the true things. That's what I meant when I said they, they did things like tastefully and why, and, and by that they, somebody knew the limits therein of of what would what stood up and they weren't just trying to like reach for something that didn't work um but the yeah the prequels that was just bound to not age well and then you add on to that the overwrought fighting and well now we've started a star wars discussion somehow because it's sword (laughs) fighting but um yeah i I think Mm -hmm. i don't i don't love the stories of the new ones but they at least i think they now we've at least struck a better balance as far as like using 
when when it's appropriate to use analog effects and mix them in with you know practical stuff happening on set and mix a little digital in and then you get a good balance that will hopefully age better yeah yeah i guess i mean i i there were, i don't know maybe i'm going on too long about this but there was something about these fights that were just appealing like even just beyond they well, were the emotionality they were was there looking, for but me. they were yeah they, they I, I was I mean, with it tell... for the story, you know. I was on on board for that, and each fight was like set up really well and and crucial. Like they did such a good job of setting up, for example, his romantic interest, only to have that scene where it's revealed that he raped his, like he killed his best friend and then like raped his woman like three hundred years ago. It broke his heart. They did all that like <laughs> yeah, careful right. setting up just to deliver that moment. So like the emotionality it was there. They earned those moments. And so if you earn a moment like that and do the right setup, yeah, you that then you're more in line to what you what you were saying, Pepe, where you know people are really gonna overlook that stuff for the most part. It won't work for everyone. It's like a magician, you know, someone's gonna look at the wrong hand sometimes and that's just gonna happen, but you're gonna probably fool most of the crowd, like 80%. Yeah, well, I think that was one of the things that was going for that. Um Although that that entire scene was pretty spectacular, but what I was going to say is that that scene where Sean Connery is fighting Clancy Brown, right, mm-hmm. Kurgan. Um, Sean Connery has been like set up to be this like master swordsman, right, and um, and he's fighting the the person who's supposed to be like the strongest warrior, right? So does swordsmanship beat just like brute strength? And you're like, oh, this is an interesting. This is the question. Fight. There's, yeah. a, there's an. Um, there's you're you're also like Sean Connery's. He's such a charismatic figure that you're also just sort of pulling for him. Um, and the way that that whole their whole like tower that he lives in is just like crumbling around them as well was cool. Um, and so even though the sword fight, like the actual sword play in that scene, was like pretty pretty bottom tier, pretty fucking, you know, pretty, pretty low tier. And like, doesn't, didn't matter that much. You, it like the, the fighting is almost like metaphorical or something at that point. It right? is it's like, they're, ha- it's almost like stage fighting. They're like, okay, they are having a fight. That's what you need to know. You know, they hit that hero's journey structure on the nose. And I think that's why if you want to see like really, really good sword fighting, um, have you have you guys seen Rob Roy, the movie Rob Roy? Yes, it rem- no. the sword really fighting that good. kind of reminds me of this, and I guess it's because it's like still. I think it's Scottish as well. The guy um, wields a uh, claymore. I think uh, it's like a claymore, like that brute strength of the claymore versus the finesse of the, um, the fencing blade. What are the fencing blades mm-hmm. called? Uh, the rapier. Uh, yeah, the rapier, uh, and so. Yeah. Yeah, it just it, it reminds me. Of, it reminded me of a lot of movies. It actually reminded me of Sword Art Online tonally a little bit, cause, maybe because I'm watching that now. But um, you know, what with, with the romance and such. <laughs> if a movie reminds me of a bunch of other movies, that's usually a good thing for me, because um, I like being reminded of stuff I like. <laughs> go figure. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> um, let's go to. I liked this part because this spoke to exactly what would happen in like uh, pre um, 
Oh, what's what's the era? God damn it. I, I'm not gonna be a part of it. Um in the seventeen hundreds, <laughs> what, what was that known as? That era? Oh, Pepe, you went uh oh, went my, fuzzy. My camera's yeah. The seventeen the age of enlightenment. This that? is like pre age of enlightenment society, and so some guy that should have died the next day is fine, and this is exactly what would happen. Mm. And these are all like his brothers and that he considers his brothers and close friends in his clan. This would happen for sure. Drinking with us, are you? What's the matter, Dukhan? You, talking and breathing. And last night, all but a corpse. How did you manage that, Connor McLeod? Would you rather I was dead? It's not natural. He's in league with Lucifer. Don't say that, Kate. I'll say it. You've the devil in you. We've been kinsmen 20 years. Connor McLeod was my kinsman. I don't know who you are. Angus, you better go, Connor. I'm not going anywhere. There is a documentary I watched actually uh, where a guy went down to, I think it's Papua New Guinea to one of the, the tribes that really are like kind of untouched by modern society and they still live in a kind of um, uh, a prehistoric way. I don't know what you'd call that. Uh, a tribal way and uh one of the main things they discussed in the tribe was like oh someone someone's a witch someone cast a spell someone did something someone cursed me like that was still very much uh a, a part of the fabric of their culture and would come up like their tribe that this guy stayed with was actually shunned because they were accused of witchcraft you know and so this guy this outsider being there was going to really help the tribe status raise this this kind of stuff that's it's real. So you know, they, I think they nailed a, a detail like that really well. Yeah, um, I I did like the I liked the Scottish stuff a lot, and I think that that like sequence in particular near the beginning of the movie is like a really good example of of what I enjoy in storytelling. And one of the things I because I've called it out as a negative thing in other movies, like I'll point it out here, the way they like introduce him as a character. They introduce all the other people in his like clan and like they're like showing these guys are all friends. This woman loves him like they give it to us. They give us the battle. They give us his death scene and then they give us them like reacting to him coming back to life and turning on him. It is such a succinct story like it doesn't waste any time. We don't have like five scenes of him like drinking with his buddies and then like going on a hunt and then like sharpening mm -hmm. his blade and like sleeping with this woman like we don't need 10 scenes to show us this guy has friends they like him now Efficient. they don't like him because they think he's a witch like yeah that efficient storytelling really appeals to me and like if you strung together everything that happens in skyland it wouldn't have a satisfying ending necessarily but it'd be a really good 40 minute movie like it would be perfect or maybe like <laughs> even 30 minutes so it right? would be like yeah it'd be a great story and it would have a really depressing ending because i think that the last scene in skyland is uh, when Sean Connery dies, but like it would still yeah. be a good movie. It would just be really depressing. Yeah. No, that part is is I think stands out. Uh, do you guys agree with that? Yeah. That I I think I mentioned that too. That I I found myself looking forward to when they cut back to Scotland and they cut back to the past. 
not just Scotland, any of the past stuff. You know, I'll play this. I really like this part. They, he met one of the guys that he's known for hundreds of years, one of the other guys, and they, oh, yeah, I remember that party back in the 1700s. I'll play that scene. That's pretty good. Yeah. What exactly was that? It was 1783. 1783. Oh, yes, your famous duel on Boston Common. <laughs> you were drunk. And what was that guy's name again? His name was Bassett. The heavier blade, Mr. Bassett, I implore you. I am fighting this duel. Hotchkiss, not you. <laughs> See, the imbecile is ready. Mr. Bassett is waiting, sir. Tell him I'm ready. Christ, I've gone blind. On guard, sir. <laughs> Wonderful, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Hotchkiss. Bassett? That you? You missed him, Mr. Bassett. Oh. Stop, sir. I beseech you. I apologize for calling your wife bloated warthog. <laughs> and I bet you good day. Shoot him, sir. What? Shoot him. Now, sir. Now, sir. In the back of the head. Now, sir. Hot skis. Hot skis. Hot That transition there from the modern day to the past, that's what I'm talking about. They really planned each of those transitions well. It was seamless and efficient. Uh, he's talking to the guy, and then without even any kind of mention of it, we're suddenly back in the scene, and we know exactly what's going on and where we are. Also, that guy they sounds do, like his name well. wasn't Buttkiss, but when he says it in that one line, it sounds like he's saying Buttkiss, <laughs> which is exactly what the guy was doing. That's such a weird scene, man. It is. Yeah. It is. So yeah. strange. I think. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons. The one of the reasons that I liked the Scottish scenes is because, or the scenes in Scotland was just because they were such so much more like bright and colorful. Like most of the scenes in the true. present day take take place at night, or you know, because it's sort of noir, noir, you know. Yeah. Um, noir, but yeah, noir. just like seeing seeing those guys and like their their kilts and like their regalia you know and then marching out into the onto the moors to to do battle you know yeah that stuff's great and then seeing them run around on the beach with sean connery is fun too <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah 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 uh i also like the music i thought that it was like the the score soared appropriately for those moments it didn't apologize it just went for it and i loved it for it um, and it was like a very classic, classical music score, which suited the film as well, because, you know, we're, it was taking place in that era. Um, here's a, a time travel clip, the one I mistakenly played before. I'll play it on purpose this time. Brandy. Bottled in 1783. Wow, that's old. 1783 was a very good year. 
Mozart wrote his great mass. The Montgolfier brothers went up in their first balloon. <laughs> and England recognized the independence of the United States. Is that right? Yes. Full of facts. I just like that, those little details about, you know, because he was there. It's kind of neat. That's the part that reminded me of uh, uh, The Man from Earth, which I highly recommend. So if it, if, it are, if it ever comes up on the show, you know that it was me that submitted that. <laughs> okay. I think that, uh, well, I one of the complaints I think about the, like, DC movies is that they're just real dark and dreary and, like, washed out. And I think that a lot of movies are that way now. And, um, I mean, I can understand why you'd want to do that with your movie. Like, especially if you're, especially if the tone of your movie is darker, but it's just so pleasant to see like vibrant, nice colors, you know? Um, especially uh, like in contrast to that. Yeah, it was, it was like, it's almost like when you have a dark moment in the movie and like in the next scene, someone makes a, like a joke that you don't see coming and it just kind of helps helps like uh lessen the impact of of that dramatic moment you know you're bawling your eyes out and then someone make cracks a joke and then you're laughing so it's kind of like that yeah. they cut to the color and you're just like, ah i think you're i think you hit the uh, the nail on the head with that it was just it felt like a breath of fresh air literally when they when they cut away from the the uh concrete jungle yeah. yeah, I think, too, is kind of representative of Connor's, you know, very obvious depression in, like, the modern era. Like, he's lived mm -hmm. so long and going back to an era, thinking back to an era when he could love and live and, like, enjoy things before everyone he knew died. Um, you know, a very clear contrast to the modern day when he is sort of done living. Yeah. That was another thing I, I was thinking about with this movie is, like, do, do you guys buy the whole, like, immortality as a curse thing? Especially when you're just, like, a guy and not, like, a vampire or something? N no. N yeah, me either. I, I don't, I think I, yeah, I have enough curiosity and interest and in stuff that I would do that would last a long, long time before I would ever get bored or, because uh, what's the alternate, really, you know? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Even if it's you're like religious and believe in the afterlife, you're still talking about, you know, living forever. So uh, yeah. as a positive. So, yeah, I don't buy that. What do you guys yeah, think? Any, anybody not want to live forever? <laughs> I mean, I think that, yeah, you would just have to, like, resign yourself not to love anything because you would yeah, just dare. constantly, that like, was even, like, pets. Like, even if you were, like, really liked dogs, like, watching a hundred dogs die yeah get, eventually would that would have like a psychological effect on you yeah like so i would think yeah you just have to resign yourself to be like stoic and never love anything and then yeah then which is what fine. they did right so they cued into another thing that was they did a good job in that way like thinking it through like what would it be like because yeah like part of his storyline was like dare he love again after the heartbreak the first time Oh, he yeah. dared. Yeah, that's, dared a, that's a theme commonly among immortals. I'm not even sure I buy that. Like, oh, I couldn't love anyone anymore because the feeling of loss would be too much. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. That shit happens all day. Every, like, every day that happens and people... Well, yeah, and a lot of people here. like... Well, yeah, but a lot of people don't. <laughs> like, you know, a lot of old couples, when one of them dies, the next one, like, within six months, they just drop dead because they literally cannot live alone. 
Um, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah I, you I, get institutionalized you know, if you're, if you're, in a marriage. If you're first, immortal, that doesn't happen. At first, yeah, you, but you feel all color. the emotion. You feel all the emotion that would kill a normal person, but then you don't die. That seems pretty yeah. bad. And then it seems you have, horrible. Then you have like a hundred years to get over it and then find some other... You would eventually look get at, over it, I feel like. Look at yeah, I don't know. Well, well, there... I mean, when when you talk about, like Devin said, yeah, uh, the partner dies short. I think it's more when the woman in a, in a straight um, marriage or relationship, when the woman dies the man more often uh, will die within two years. Um, I believe it is. Um, it's not exactly the same way when the man dies first, though. Then you get um, the golden uh, girls. Yeah. Living it yeah. yeah. yeah right. I, I mean, I'm thinking my wife's going to be, that's, that's her and like, you know, whatever, whatever uh, 10 years from now, because I'm that old. No, I'm not that old. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, yeah, mm, it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, but when it comes to like the death of a loved one, yeah, there can be definitely be grief stricken <clears throat> to where you can't quite get you you know, especially when you're talking about long term, you know, um, a couple that's been around for decades. But some of the research they've done, it's where the surviving partner will not marry again. They're not looking to meet somebody. But they get to a point where the comfort and solace that they had received from their partner, they have it with a lot less of the pain. And and they're happy to, you know, continue. I wouldn't exactly say happy, but in a lot of intents and purposes, they're content to live on with the memory of that. Um, and I don't know exactly how it transcends say when you're kind of locked in the past you know when a loved one dies and you just can't really get over it especially like a child you know when a child passes away and you like keep yeah. all the things in their room the same um you know i i don't know what the split is between somebody being at peace and still happy but never wanting to marry again never looking at another love interest and someone um lingers in pain i i guess i say um as far as longevity being immortal i mean this is the that part of you know the philosophical argument that makes it really interesting <clears throat> and some people have talked about the elasticity of the mind yeah because yes. we're not meant meant to be that old how elastic is our mind when we can create technology that allows us to live that old i mean that's what they yep. talk about even now with cellular you know generation when's your hard drive and, get full um, right yes yeah. Yeah. yeah and and um i think it's more than just the sum of you know living and new experiences stuff like that because one one of the things you guys said was be stoical well that's dimming down of emotions the very yes, thing that i think is part of life in a vital part of life so what would that do to you then if you are choosing not to you, you know i think that would actually have disastrous consequences you know and, and we see it you know in in like as far as like the part of masculinity where you have to shove your emotions way down and be the man in the situation you, you know we see kind of what the consequences are for that but uh, just taking it to a more serious note, because it, this type of thing I'm very interested in, 
Like, is longevity a blessing or a curse? Or immortality a blessing or a curse? You know, I think that's really interesting. It is. Um, yeah, and I, I'm always, I always have those uh, caveats where I'm just like, but I would have to be healthy, you know? You, you yeah, to. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Uh, the devil's in the details. We learned that in November. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be careful what you agree to to get that crat. Um, yeah. What a good movie. Yeah. Homer Simpson nailed it in the Halloween episode too when he had the, when they did the monkey paw back in the, I think it was the 90s. I want a turkey sandwich and I don't want it to be, I don't want to turn into a turkey and I don't want a turkey sandwich to be in my head. <laughs> Pretty good. Oh man. All right. So I have, I have one other, one other bone to pick with. This sure. Sure. Uh, Let's hear it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Wake and Fright was more of an adventure movie than this movie was. What? This no. is an action movie. I don't think this is an adventure movie. All right. You just want to talk All about right. Wake and Fright more. I'll, I'm going to find the definition <laughs> of adventure again. All I know <laughs> is this literally listed as an adventure film in the adventure in the list. Yeah. yeah, but so what? Who cares? Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> what if words, words are meaningless? Who cares? It does. I mean, it does have one hundred percent more locations than Wake and Fright because it has. It takes place in two major locations. I'll give you. I'll give you this. It's less of well, an adventure film than The Princess Bride, like in the classic sense of the term, right? I mean, a lot of the time I associate yeah. adventure with fantasy, though. You know that, and I think we talked about how the sometimes hmm. those can, and the, action adventure is more like in in line with what this is. Even though they call it, there's fantasy elements. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's hear your argument, though. Well, um, <laughs> so this, well, so just because because Devin mentioned it, like this movie does take place in different places, but it's not about like traveling from A to B, right? In the sense right. of like going on a quest, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not going to Mordor. Um, you're you're yeah. you're more on a quest through time. Um, it doesn't have any, and I, and this was actually a good point. It doesn't have uh, that we talked about last time. It doesn't have any like environmental hazards. Like doing, I was going to mention that. Doing, yeah. You know. All right. There you go. Um, All right. Okay. Which 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 I think I think. We we sort of said that it didn't, but I think Wake and Fright sort of does, just because you're in Australia and it's shitty and hot there all the time. But it doesn't in the sense of like the like fucking swamp of sorrows or the the fire swamp or where, wherever they go. Like it doesn't have stuff like that, right? Okay, well, screeching whoa, 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 wait. Let me allow me to retort with an audio clip. <laughs> okay. Don't like boats, Boom. Don't like you look like a woman, you stupid haggis. Haggis? What is haggis? Sheep stomach stuffed with meat and barley. And what do you do with it? <laughs> you eat it. How revolting. <laughs> Be still, for God's sake. You'll tip us over. So? I cannot swim, you Spanish peacock. I'm not Spanish, I'm Egyptian. You said you were from Spain. You're a liar. You have the manners of a goat. And you smell like a dung heap. And you have no knowledge whatsoever of your potential. Now! Get out! No! Help! 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 
can't drown, you fool! You're immortal! I rest my case. <laughs> no, okay. really, that was an excuse to play another sound clip. Um, Boom. <laughs> it's not. It's not a hazard if it's not hazardous. That's true. Yeah. No, it was more to establish <laughs> his immortality. By the way, every is there? Can you guys think of an example of immortality that comes up in movies or stories where there isn't some catch? Like, but you can cut your head off. I'm thinking maybe the Watchmen. The 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 uh, what what's the the blue guy's name? Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. him. I don't know. But is there is there an immortality without a catch like that? Where well, if you get staked in the heart, though, you're dead. You know, but you're immortal. Yeah. Really, they should be like, well, I, you're you're gonna live several hundred years if you don't, you know, get hit by a stake in the heart. I mean, yeah, I think it's more common just because like you can't create an interesting character that's like literally unkillable. That's why Superman has to have a weakness. Like, yeah, there, there has to be, be right? a stake. There has to be stakes or else it's like, you know, what's the point of this character? This God that can just never die. It's always a yeah. catch. And Dr. Manhattan's sort of weakness is just that his like, he, you know, his own mind, he's like going in, you know, becoming more and more like uh, uh, apathetic to human beings. And like, he's not dying a physical death. He's dying like a, a moral or like a mental His humanity death is dying. Doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Good points. Good points. Always a catch. I, I, I think that the, the catch though is what exactly what uh, Devin is saying. It drives the conflict. It, it, it drives the you know the plot. You forward. have to have it. Yeah. 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 I just don't like to fantasize about a immortality with a catch. I want all. <laughs> I want my cake and eat it too. With a clause. All those, yeah. all those like, uh, all those like Greek movies where the Greek gods appear—they're immortal, right? I guess they do. I guess, but they, they get though. eaten. Yeah. They get swallowed. There's always by like the one guy or something. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, some so there's always a always We just can't. I think it, part of it is as humans, we really have a tough time wrapping our minds around the infinite as a concept. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of beyond. Yes where we can go a lot, really it's it's just really hard to do it's it's so bizarre yeah. you know um i mean even if you lived forever scare quote i mean it's, it's, our best knowledge is that the universe itself will die of a heat death eventually in like trillions of years the, you mm -hmm. know all the stars will be gone and all the heat will be gone and it'll just be darkness that's what they think is going to happen that's the best you know the best evidence points towards that so even if you last yeah. forever you're gonna you're gonna eventually be sitting in a, a darkness by yourself so there's always yeah, a catch. I, but I think, you know, because we can't wrap our hands around it or, you, you know, it's uh, more difficult, we adhere to stories about yeah. more, you know, because I remember when this movie Splash, this, it had quite the cult following, quite, quite, quite the following. And then also another story I just thinking about off the top of my head was Interview with the Vampire. You know, yes, yep. there were vampires. And so that that brings sensuality and a bunch of other things, but it was the fact that they lived through the ages. That was just as interesting. And, and it was that fantastical Gothic horror, you, you know, and, and that's definitely fans to this day. Yeah. It's definitely the part that I enjoyed most about that mm -hmm. uh, movie as well. It was just kind of watching mm -hmm. the progress through the ages. Mm -hmm. 
It is cool. And uh, if you guys read The Sandman, there's a character named Hob Gadling that's supposedly an immortal human. And the Sandman, who's also immortal, just meets this human at this place every hundred years to check in with them. And that's kind of an interesting, mm. interesting mm. way they go about that. Yeah, that series is being adapted by Netflix, which has me a little scared. Yeah. Honest. But um, hopefully it's good. <laughs> The audio adaptations they did recently, the radio dramas I've been trying to get you guys to watch are super good, though. They did such a good job. Uh, if you like uh, radio drama, uh, they did both the Sandman 1 and the like the sequel, which covers basically the run of the Sandman comics. Nice. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah it's super good. Top-notch. Yeah, I haven't top-notch read Sandman production. so long. Yeah, the first time I read it was also like back in the 90s. So it was interesting to revisit. I don't know when mm-hmm. Netflix picked it up, but it's supposedly coming out pretty soon. They have a teaser out. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember when, uh, what was it, like AMC or FX or whatever adapted Preacher? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember I remember the first time I read Preacher. It was like in the 90s yep. when I was like Same a teenager. Era. And I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever read. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. and then like I read it again in like probably the mid aughts. And I was like, a, a, like a uh, yeah, uh, an older teen, like maybe in my 20s. And I was like, this is still pretty good. And then I read it a, yet again a third time. And I was just like, this is dog shit. This is terrible. Who the fuck reads this? <laughs> That's funny, <laughs> oh, man. It just does not age well. I, unless you're just like the biggest fucking edgelord ever, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's well, stuff sign in me that up, still then. works, but... but no, man, I, I watched just, like, like the first... I don't think I finished season one on on uh, Preacher when they adapted it. I think I bowed out at some point on that one. It, it's not still running, is it? Did it run for a couple of seasons and, and that was you it? You know, I don't know. They The first season wasn't adapting anything from the comics though i don't think it was sort of before right wasn't it like pre pre comics yeah yeah stuff? it was like a prequel season and then they yeah people i remember that was one of the criticisms i think too is that it wasn't yeah. what people were expecting why do they got to do that the same the same when they adapt is stuff cool can you just but... give people the, the stuff that they want i know why do you right? gotta change you it so much sonic looks like sonic right. you know it's like this there... with, you know i have this i have this bone to pick with like people who fancy up um, food like dishes that are comfort food. Like, just make mm-hmm. the comfort food the way you want it. Like, don't fancy up the stuffing at Thanksgiving too much. Come on, make it right. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't cook I, me I, a, a breakfast and like add some weird shit into it. Just make me some eggs and bacon. Come on. I've I've felt that way about um, movies, like adaptations of things in the past, and I've talked to people about it. And um, are, actually, this might have been another conversation I had with James. And he, he was like, well, like, there's another person. There's another, like, presumably there's another artist, right, who is tasked with adapting this art. And so, like, they want to they wanna do something with it, too. They don't just want to just do it, you know. And mm-hmm. when, I, when, he, when I thought about it in that way, that makes sense, why they just don't. You just like this is why like Shakespeare gets adapted a thousand different ways, you know, even though it shouldn't because it's just just fucking do Shakespeare, you know. Um, But like, yeah, there are people who are like behind the camera that have their own artistry and they want to show it and they want to they want to 
change it. You know? They all want to put their mark in there and it ends up being too much, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah, still the well, best Romeo times. and Juliet, for example, is the one in the 60s that didn't have any weird twists to it. It's just the straight story of Romeo and Juliet. It's still the one people watch. Know. The Leo DiCaprio one is pretty fucking good. I don't think it's really good. I don't good. think it I, is. I Thank you, John. It's very Nothing. clever how they have the the swords, the the sword brand guns. Yeah. I wish we would have got it. It's a little it. cheesy, but it's. I mean, I don't know. Oh, but, yeah. I don't you know what? I haven't seen it since the '90s, to be honest. But I have seen I the wish, '60s one, and that one's badass. And I wish we got an ass scene in the new one, like the one in the '60s. <laughs> yeah, and much. Okay, here's another one, more recent. Much Ado About Nothing, the '92 version was great, and it was just that was a straight, not bad. Yeah, that's that one too. I don't think I saw Kenneth Branagh um, uh, directed that one. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, fuck, what's the actress? Oh, uh, uh, it's Kenneth Branagh's wife or ex-wife uh, as well. A lot of people were in that one. Um, oh, God. Uh, Denzel Washington, I think, was in it. And Keanu Reeves and hmm. a bunch of other people. Uh, M- Emma Thompson? Is that her name? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah she I was good in that. Yeah, right, Emma. Yeah. <laughs> She was the one that did Nanning the McPhee, random. the same actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a lot of other that, things. That that 90s probably. adaptation of Romeo and Juliet might be the most 90s thing totally. that exists. Yeah. Maybe. But maybe. It, has, it, it has the most accurate Shakespeare dialogue of I of I think any ever Shakespeare film adaptation. It has more like direct lines from the play than I think it has ever. I think that like it holds a record for that. It has the most direct lines from a play. Every almost every other adaptation changes it to make it which, more modern. Which I was not aware of dialogue. That. The the mm-hmm. one with Leonardo DiCaprio. That's it is right. like word for word the script from the original play. <laughs> that's right. Get him. Yeah, that's why it's so good. <laughs> what do you think, Jim? <laughs> yeah, Jim, Dude, tell us how you I, really feel. I have been in love with Leonardo DiCaprio since I was a young <laughs> oh, teenager. That out. man okay. can do uh, no wrong. Well, so, everyone knows that Danny, the best Shakespearean adaptation was Titanic. <laughs> I I remember when the Titanic came out and everybody was all, oh, he's such he's such a pretty boy. That's all he does. Have you seen Basketball Diaries? Have you seen I, some I of these other roles? I, I love Basketball yeah. Diaries. Yeah. Read it's it, like, watched dude, it. the beach. He's got love. Yes, it. the beach. Beach was What's great. You know, how far? How far would you go to protect paradise? You know, even if you lose yourself in the movie. process, dude. That movie underrated is great. One. Yes. I saw that in the theater. I had no idea what it was, and I ended up just mm-hmm. being like totally drawn yes. into that one. Yeah, it was a cool one. Same, same here. I end up getting the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah me too. The soundtrack great music is in like that. that trance. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That yep. was good music in that. Yes. That was really good. <laughs> We're we're on our like ninth degree of separation from <laughs> Devin has to go too. So why don't we? Why don't we? Yeah. Do you have to say your? You have to bow out and say your goodbyes now, or? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm probably, good I'm for probably a commercial should, break. A natural, probably should. Well, there's a natural stopping point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I know. I know. We're kind of the yeah. hard out. Okay. Cool. Well, Devin has um, to leave us to go to work. So why don't you sign off and um, catch the rest of the show uh, upon release. Absolutely, absolutely. I will quickly grade this film. I think I've made my views pretty clear on it. I mm-hmm. think there's enjoyable moments, uh, but I, I, I think it's kind of lost in a in a milieu of other just kind of 80s nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, I think this is going to be a C-minus 
I'm going to place Ooh, it about hey. there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Spoken like a true millennial. I think, I think I enjoyed Wake and Fright a little more than this, honestly. Uh, yes. So I don't want to give yes. it. Yes. Like oh, yeah, that makes sense. He, 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 with the he appropriately enjoyed a better movie more than this, <laughs> a worse movie. It happened. Then we got yes. it right from, Gavin almost got it right. <laughs> According to Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all cool, right, man. guys. All right, <laughs> good night. Thanks for later, later, show. later, later. Game over, man. Game over. There it is. We missed <laughs> that last time. Excellent. Okay. Uh, typically, when we go off on a tangent on about four other movies, we've probably come to the point where we can grade the movie that we're supposed to be talking about. So, um, why don't we think about what we're going to settle on as far as uh, the final grades for the Highlander? But uh, until then, before that, uh, why don't we take a short commercial break? And now a word from our sponsors. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Come on down to the Cow Palace and witness the carnage. Toyota Highlander presents the quickening. Crash up derby. There can be only one. We've gathered up all the Toyota Highlanders in existence. All of them? All of them! Impossible, you say? Come see for yourself as every Toyota Highlander battles it out to be the Highlander. The action will be so epic, you'll forget how badly Ticketmaster gouged your wallet. Disclaimer, <laughs> Ticketmaster is God. Ticketmaster is rigged to support scalpers. Even this commercial has an associated fee. Toyota Highlander presents the quickening. Act quick. Only one ticket available. <laughs> oh, shit. Good to get your digs in at Ticketmaster because that's just bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, it's, it's a weird yeah. system. There's a, there's a whole thing about it out. A new documentary that trying to take them down. But yeah, it's, it's a weird. It's weird. It's the most corrupt organization. I don't know how it exists. I don't know. Oh, man. This is America. Drop it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that was our commercial break. Um, why don't we now find out what the grades will be for the Highlander? I'm really curious about where we landed on this one. Um, yeah, you know, to be honest, Pepe, I... Oh, let me play my little sound cue. I forgot last week. I dare you. Yeah, not quite going to get an A-plus from me on the Highlander, although I did really enjoy the watch. I have to say that I agree with Devin that I actually liked um, Wake and Fright uh, more than this one. I had a lot of fun with Wake and Fright, to be honest. Um, you know, mass kangaroo massacre aside, uh, and it was a good combo. So, so uh, I believe I graded that one a B-plus, so this one's going to sit at a B for me. I think that's appropriate. But uh, what did you think, Pepe? Where did you land? You know, I think this is, I think, well, so I've only seen this once, right? So I only get mm -hmm. to rate my, rate my experience on this one experience. And watching it was fun, you know, um, warts and all. And, and so, like, it's a B movie, you know, and I think it's a, it's a, a, in both senses, it is a B movie in the sort of, like, movie sense. And I think I'll give it a B, too. You know, it was fun, um, and it was pretty easy to watch. 
even though it was almost two hours, it didn't feel like it, it dragged didn't. at all. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It moves along well. It, it, it keeps did a going, good job. It keeps going pretty well. It shows you that if you have a good, they clearly had a good solid script with good writing and good structure. Because it just, everything went yeah. from one, one thing to the next. Everything connected great. Um, so yeah, as far as, a, I agree with you, as far as a, a B movie goes, you know, your, your popcorn action adventure, this, this is uh, definitely better than average. They had cool stuff in it, right? And they, and they delivered. And I think that reflects the, the grades, the, the ratings we saw on like Rotten Tomato as well. But let's see what yeah. uh, Jim Scott, he gets the final word. What'd you grade it, Jim? Yeah, I mean, this, this movie's fun. I, I'm not going to say yeah. that it's not, you know, I agree with a lot of the things that you guys have said about the glowing points from mm-hmm. panning over the wrestling event. Because when I seen that, I was like, oh boy, you, you know, because I had seen this movie so long ago, I only remembered a few pieces. I was, I was like, oh boy, this is that cinematography. That's really, really good. But then it just kind of got it, it got choppy to me as far as like the storytelling. I didn't see a lot of the seamless transitions until you had mentioned them. And I didn't I don't either know. until I my mean, film school pointed them out to me. So yeah, <laughs> don't feel too bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the movie, but it it had less of a luster than it used to have. You, yeah. you, you, you know, and there's something to be said about nostalgia. There's also it aged, something to well there's also there's also something to say about being young where you just have a lot more of that unendingism for things that you like and a lot less of the criticisms right i mean that's i don't know wow um and so uh yeah it's just uh it it was it was good you you know i'm not gonna say it but i don't think it was great so i give it a c plus okay c plus um okay so pepe um where does that leave us as far as the overall gpa i think we got what a c plus c minus a b and a b mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so that uh leaves it at a 2.5 oh weird we haven't had that yet i don't think yeah which is um like between a c plus and a b minus mm-hmm that's exactly where yeah. I uh, Rotten Tomatoes landed with it, right? Like high seventies, really yeah. high seventies. Uh seventy eight percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the audience likes it better than the critics. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's so, going to happen um, on an action adventure, like most of the time, I bet. Yep. Other other two point five movies. Mm-hmm. Bad Santa, two point four. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Jingle all the way. Two point five four. So Christmas movies. Yeah. And Bad Santa got that rating because I wasn't there. <laughs> well, we shifted the rating, but it got that rating because that rating was like very. Um, we were we were at different ends of the spectrum on that one. I, I lean pretty and, heavily on the bad Pepe side and Evan rated one, yeah. it really low, and we both I think rated it pretty high. Oh, I did yeah. grade that movie for some reason. I thought it was just I late. Yeah, no, we movie. we ended up yeah. changing it. Uh, mm. So you you you, it would have been lower, much much lower mm. <laughs> than two point four. Another um, another two point four. Stranger than fiction. Okay, sure, um, sure. And this is one I didn't expect. Two point four for Horse Girl. You expected that to be higher. Mm. 
I expect that. Yeah, because yeah, someone really didn't movie. like that one. I can't remember who it was. I think it was, was a just, couple people didn't really like it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, don't all reveal yourselves at once. Yeah, no, I, I like well, that I one pretty I good. I don't remember what I graded it. So though. long ago. I know. I know. It was. It was first like season. Last year. It was, yeah. yeah. It's almost been a year. <laughs> We've been doing wow. the show. We've been coming doing up. this for almost a year? It's coming yeah. up. Yeah. Coming up. Get out of here. Yeah, crazy. Interesting. Huh. It's always fascinating to be able to look back now and see where, where things land. But in this mm -hmm. one, we definitely were representative of what we were seeing on Rotten Tomatoes. So good stuff. Um, uh, I enjoyed it. It was a fun conversation, too. A few good clips. Uh, and um, you got your Egyptian uh, Sean Connery. So yeah, you can take that to the biz bank. <laughs> All right, that's it for Highlander, guys. Why don't we find out what we'll be watching next for yeah. Series oh, 8, Episode 4. I love rolling for the next movie. I know. So exciting. So we, so we have this weird thing where either I can roll this one and and flip a coin. Well, I guess it I guess it would be me because the last one we don't roll. Okay. So, I'm going to roll a two-sided virtual dice for this one. Um at least this one exists on the internet instead of in my head when I, usually I'm rolling the one-sider. Um so <laughs> yeah. I actually get to roll this time. This will be fun. So, let's find out out of the two remaining submissions which film we'll be watching next week. And I rolled a one. Lucky number one. So we will be watching a little movie called The Neverending Story, which came out oh. in 1984 on Netflix. And Pepe is ecstatic. That's a good adventure movie. It's an adventure film. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that. Um, so join us next week. Um, it is on Netflix uh, for now. If that changes, uh, I'm sure it'll be somewhere because it's one of those films that's all over the place. Yeah. This one was incredible. It was on like, what, eight or nine different platforms. Did you hear that in the beginning? Yeah. It was weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's everywhere. That was that was the most prolific. They must have just sold that to everybody, baby. You know, they've been smooching with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the Highlander goes all over the place. Yeah, it was, uh, it was against the phrase, there can only be one, huh? There can totally. be everyone. Yeah, everyone, everyone get in on this is the new Highlander catchphrase. Everyone gets, everyone gets one. <laughs> it's no longer yeah, Spider-Man. Just like, like Spider-Man. Just exactly. Everyone gets one. Okay, excellent. Um, how, many, so, how many times do you think they fucked up that line? There can be just one only. There one only can be just. Oh, I like that one. Uh, how would Yoda say it? Let me let me just hit you with that. Oh man, yeah. One yeah. there can be. One only can there be. Oh, there. I think Pepe got it there. One one only can there be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. That there that sounds is. that sounds more writer. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take care of some show business. Um, business. So, oh, I did want to mention the for the audience choice thing again. For those of you that want to submit, you go to redhenmedia.com slash audience choice. You fill in the name of the movie that fits the series theme. The, the series theme will be listed there if you don't know. 
and uh, you click. Takes 30 seconds. One submission per person, please. Um, and so please and please do let us know what you want to watch. We may watch your film. Um, so a quick retraction. I have a real one this time. I referred to Australian critters as being poisoned critters in last week's commercial. The correct uh, phrase, of course, is venomous monsters that will try to kill you at every turn. Mm, we yeah. sincerely yes. apologize and ask that you bear with us as we strive to be better. Uh, fan emails write to me, uh, write to us at the show at my email at ben at redhenmedia.com, and we may respond on the show. Um, how are we doing? Uh, did you like the show? Did, just, did we do something wrong? Did you arrive at the same conclusions as James Pepe? And therefore, yeah, and therefore, right? Yep, yeah, and therefore, <laughs> discover <laughs> objective truth. Um, what parts or parts, uh, what part or parts did you like the best? Uh, did you learn something new or is this stuff old hat for you? Where are you listening from? Let us know. Questions, comments, Ben at redhandmedia.com. All right. I think, guys, that is about it. That's usually yeah. on the show. Oh, shit. Hello? Better not be interrupting Cal. Just one more thing. Ah, oh. interrupting Columbo. That is Lieutenant Columbo saying we have time for just one more thing where each co-host shares something from outside of the show. Uh, and so I'll share a comic book that I happen to read. I, I, my son's kind of like gotten, he's got some bigger Kindles now. And so I've kind of grabbed one of his, uh, he has one of these older, like littler ones that are pretty good for like reading comic books. So I jumped onto Amazon and, read some of their offerings. They have some originals there. So by the way, if you're looking to pitch a new comic book, you might want to check with those guys because they seem to be like trying to get more produced, you know, to catch up to Marvel and DC. Uh, but this is an indie one that I think, Jim, that you would like. It's called The All-Nighter. And, and the premise is a, a group of vampires undercover have are running a, an all-night diner in New York. And one of them... Uh, wants to do more, but there are rules. And so he decides to dress up like a superhero and fight crime, uh, which uh, opens the Pandora's box for other hidden uh, fantastic creatures to kind of come out of the closet in that sense. And so mm -hmm. it opens up like a, a, a this interesting uh, dynamic of uh, like where superheroes become real, but they're all really like, um, you know, the classic monsters of myth coming out of hiding, you know, trolls start appearing from, mm -hmm. from underneath the bridge and uh, Frankenstein pops up and such. And so they have a good, interesting world built with some twists in it. I think it was like a, it's like a four, the initial run I think that they did is like a, a four, um, four uh, issue run. Hmm. So if, if you look, and then, and outside of that, it looks like there's some other interesting titles there. And, and there were, they're free as long as you have Prime. And then you can also sign up for like a, a paid service where you get like, you know, endless comics. But I think they, they, just, they kick you down if you have a Prime membership, a lot of their original ones. That was a fun mm -hmm. read. It's fun to share that. The All-Nighter. Hmm. It was a fun one. Uh, James yeah, cool. yeah, it was cool. It was, it was a cool casual read, you know? It was, it was a bit of fun. Nice. Yeah. So what have you got for us this week on Just One More Thing? I have a TV show. So one of the one of my favorite um, Twitch streamers to watch is a guy named Sean Plot. Uh, mm -hmm. His handle's Day Nine TV. 
he streams a lot of like um, magic, but recently he's been streaming a lot of Elden Ring because Elden Ring's the mm-hmm. new cool thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've been hearing a little his, bit about it. Yeah. 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 And on his stream, he was talking about the show called Severance, um, but it was on Apple TV and I didn't have Apple TV, so I couldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the fates aligned and I got access to Apple TV because my sister, my sister got an iPad for Christmas and it came with like a thing that she didn't redeem till now. So I, I binged uh, Severance and it was, and it's super good. It's actually not done yet. They're releasing it weekly. They didn't just dump the whole thing hmm. on the Apple TV. Oh, okay. So they're releasing yeah. it weekly. And the sort of conceit of the show is that um, it's about, uh, or sort of the conceit of the show is that you can have a sort of medical procedure done where you kind of split your memory into two halves. And uh, one part is when you're not at work, and one part is when you're at work. So you sort of <laughs> you don't have to yeah. go to work, basically. Well, sort you of. Remember there's, it? Yeah, there's a you that is never at work. Someone gets really screwed. At work. Yeah, when the when the you that's at work leaves work, their next memory is them returning to work. But when the you that's that doesn't work goes into work their next memory is leaving work so there's got to be one character that loves their job and that's the person that they wanted to be and they're happy that they're at work all the time no yeah yeah, there is okay good well there sort of is yeah okay well yeah Um, if you were like steven spielberg right you'd be like yeah i'll go to work (laughs) yeah right yeah i imagine Um, i mean i want to be a director so (laughs) (laughs) interesting series the the show is mostly concerned with the people while they're at work because the company they're working for, as you might guess, is shady as shit. <laughs> because the company's like the one doing doing these procedures, separating people's memories. Um, and uh, yeah, and so anyway, it's it's um, the way it looks is really cool. Um, the you know, the like, I guess you, I guess it's set design. The, the like set design is really cool. Um, the story is really intriguing. Um, it's just good all around. It has Patricia Arquette in it and Scott. She's great. Yeah, She's been uh, doing some good stuff lately. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's in it. She plays a great character and there's, let me, I'll look it up real quick. I watched this true crime thing with her where she just transformed into this character, just disappeared into it. Um, that came out in like and 2018 too. And who? A- Adam, Adam Scott is the main character. Yeah. Okay. So Patricia Arquette and Adam Scott. Um, oh, also John Turturro is in it. And he's, oh, yeah. he plays he's an incredible so character. He's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He His can do no wrong. Is... Oh, and Christopher Walken. I forgot about it. The, the skies were dark for all the stars. How could you forget Christopher Walken? That was my really bad Christopher Walken. Um, So if you have um, if you have access to Apple Plus or if you have access to certain websites on the internet, (laughs) I suppose, (laughs) um, uh, watch the show. 
Yeah, Pepe's opinions it's, on that don't necessarily reflect season. those of Red Hen Media LTD. No, and to, and to be honest, you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm, uh, you shouldn't um, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So the so I gotta ask too is the is the um the name of the show is it a play off the word like sever because they're severing your memory in half? Yeah. 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 And then of course because it's about work severance, it's very clever. Very clever. Yeah. Yeah, sounds intriguing. I'll have to uh, check that out. I've been meaning to use my uh, Apple Plus a little bit more while I have it. Yeah, yeah. If you if you have like bought an Apple product recently and haven't redeemed the like month free month or whatever, this is a good excuse to good one to do binge. It. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for that. All right, Jim Scott. What have you got for us this week on just one more thing? Yeah, just real quick, I was to say it's just hard to keep up with all these streaming services because I there's I things I on Apple Plus. And I remember when I was selling cable and then later on satellite, you know, some of the people, you know, the 10% of the streaming and not getting any cable satellite, they were like, I don't have to pay for every channel. I don't have to do this. And I'll do, well, look where we've come now. Um, but I would love to get Apple Plus for that. Sh- that show sounds boss. There's a couple other shows. And then the Jon Stewart. Um, I only see get to see clips on YouTube, but not on the YouTube, whole yeah. uh, discussion. Yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't sure how the show would be, but man, he really hasn't lost a step. So uh, enjoyable. The stuff I've seen was really good. And he's 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 a brilliant guy mm-hmm. who also is the first to admit he doesn't have all the answers. You know, so he yeah. The, yeah. he has other brilliant people that talk talk on the show. I just I, I love it. I love it a lot. Yeah, it's um, good stuff. And Apple yeah. is the first one to win some. I think they're the first one to win an Academy Award for. A streaming hmm. movie, no, Netflix or something, did. or maybe they won the, maybe they were the first one to win the something. I I read something recently Isn't that they were the first to win a certain category Emmy? or something like that. Didn't yeah. Netflix win for Roma, or did Roma? No, Roma didn't win, huh? I think it did win actually. Um, win I'm based, I'm going off of some article I read a week or two ago before the Academy Awards that they they were either up for, or maybe uh. it was up for, maybe they didn't even win. Yeah, I better, I better, I better check my reference on that one. Um, but I, what I remember is that they were the first, the Apple was the first one to win something, some prestigious award that no other streaming mm-hmm. service had won yet. It was only a matter of time, though. They're really taking over the studios. You know, the studios are becoming more like Netflix and less yes. like they were. That's that's yeah. that's, that's yeah. right. And I'm still I'm still trying to watch the Oscars on Hulu because I want to catch that first slap. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Talk about but, uh, the dog. <laughs> yeah. But um, so real quick, I have uh two just one more things. They're both podcasts. There's kind of things that are just in my head right now. The first one is called it is a true podcast. It's called The Argument. Um, it's released by NPR, and in it they have a discussion discussion where they have a couple of different sides sometimes two three different sides on an issue and discuss it you know they discuss the merits so the one that i had just got done listening to was affirmative action um is it a good thing is it a bad thing and i know that this argument has been hashed and rehashed before but this is in the current i think it was last year they, i like they to, yeah i'd like to hear contemporary one. views on that because the contem- um, yeah the contemporary view that was against it was talking about well the is something that i've seen a lot in a lot of different places where don't look at race don't look at ethnic- ethnicity don't look at disadvantaged groups look at poverty 
and address that. And there's some compelling arguments for that, but then there's also some compelling arguments against that. That's all I will say on that. You should catch that uh, that episode. Yeah, check out both sides. Even though that's a very polarizing issue, but I find it a very yes. confusing one too. Um, the other one yes. that I find confusing yes. is um, transsexual um, uh, sport. There's like a bunch of laws being passed about that. I don't yes. know a lot about it, but I would love to hear. You got to steep yourself in both sides of, of, of these issues to, to know, to even like educate yourself and see what people are saying. So you can form an, uh, uh, a good opinion, you know? Yeah, I almost it's, think it's better you to do that to... than just have a knee jerk reaction. You know, it's it, sure, if it's yeah. an issue like that, it's worth exploring and 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 getting versed in it. So that sounds and great. I've heard of this podcast, so, by the way. Slowing. I haven't checked it out yet, though. Yeah, and down to the speed of wisdom, I I think. And I go. almost think yeah. it's it's necessary um, nowadays to educate yourself. Um, I want to say objectively, or at least know what where the facts and the fiction are, because so many stories come with a slant. Uh, they use a loaded language, you know. Uh, the, the yeah, title. they really love. Um, yeah, yeah, headlines are are can be so super misleading and loaded, yeah. very loaded, depending on the organization. Yes. More so now than ever. So yeah, it's an essential skill to be able to navigate that. And spot that crap when you see yeah, it. Yeah, and most news stories dance around the the subject rather than. Um, anyways, that that's a mm-hmm. whole other topic. And mm-hmm. uh, it, the the other podcast that I wanted to point out is uh, Club Random. It's uh, uh Bill Maher. I I really enjoy watching Bill Maher's show. Um, I don't re- agree with some of the things he says, and in some things I think he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, but in yeah, some about things, there I, with you I, on that. Yeah, but in some things, he's at least will entertain questions like what we we are discussing, willing to entertain looking at your beliefs in the light of the, or context of larger things that are going on. But this podcast is none of this. Um, basically, he's smoking pot, talking with people in uh, a room in his house. Uh, he's only got two episodes out. Uh, the first one's with William Shatner. The second one is with uh, Quentin Tarantino. Whoa, and I just enjoy it. I enjoy it. You, you, you enjoy uh, Bill Maher virtually, you know, as company, because I do think he's got a lot to say. Just some of it is wrong. His, I'll say <laughs> but, this, uh, his format, whether or not you agree with him, his format on that HBO show has been, is really good. Uh, and it's, yes. it's stood the test of time. He's done that for like, decades yeah uh, still going strong so yeah and it's another version of the argument because he will bring people that do not think like him do not believe the way he does and they'll talk about the issues of the day so i cool. enjoy it excellent and what's the title of it again because i do intend to check that uh, out it's called club um i have club it random. pulled up right Club Random. Yeah, I have it pulled up. Uh Club Random with Bill Maher. And cool. and then he's he's yeah, Club Club Random Podcast, I guess is the name of his channel. So I'll check it out. Yeah, thanks for that one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. Um with that said, I think we really are uh, at the end of our show. So it's time to sign off. 
Patrick, I'll miss you most of all. Dorothy's here letting us know it's time to say goodbye. I'm not crying, you're crying. Okay, only one of us can cry. Let's start with uh, James Pepe. You cry first, and I'll cry. Take turns. All right. <laughs> I am the only James Pepe. <laughs> there can um, be only one. I have all the power of the other James Pepe's. That's right. Yeah. Well, now we're um, just getting into the plot of the one, <laughs> which we well, didn't we, bring up, but that was another one that movie reminded me of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm James. I'm James Pepe. Um, thanks for coming and hanging out with us and watching or listening. And uh, hope you come back next week. Yeah, come back um, and enjoy more of what we uh, we lovingly refer to him as Pepe Prime. Uh, so come come see Pepe yeah, Prime yeah. next week. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> you know... <laughs> One of the one of the first things, or one a thing that you soon realize after studying Latin for a little while, that uh -huh. Optimus Prime is a dumb name because Optimus Prime just means best first. Mm. Best first, yeah. Best sounds first. like a sounds like a terrible like aphorism or something. Yeah, best first, more like a T-shirt. Um, yeah, platitude. We're in platitude. <laughs> We're in the platitude zone with that. Best first, baby. You know it. Um, okay, first. cool. Well, we saved the best for last. Jim Scott. Yeah, and I don't know, Pepe, if you uh, can only be one. I think there's a doppelganger out there somewhere, like Enemy. Just have to find him. You know, in, in the in the county that we live in, I'm sure there's so many other James Peppies out there. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, hopefully the doppelganger is evil, and we know that because of his goatee. Yep. There you go. That's how you, that's what, what's to look out for. So if you yeah. see Pepe walking around and you run up and he's just got the goatee, be careful. That's evil Pepe. You'll, you'll not Pepe Prime. Not, not best first Pepe. That's right. Best, best first. first. That, yeah. stri that strikes me as something Melania Trump would say. <laughs> totally. But right, uh, on that note, buffet. yeah, yeah, yeah. On that note, I'm Jim Scott. And farewell, gentle listeners and friends. Take care. And this has been I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to smash that like button, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And today's parting sentiment, if there can be only one listener, we're glad it's you. Aww. Oh, man. Best first listener. And remember to watch The NeverEnding Story 1986 on Netflix, now streaming on a streaming service near you called Netflix. The, the, there can be only one original. Yeah. I was going somewhere with that. See you next week. <laughs> Until then, lookers, keep on looking. Nailed it. Uh.